Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. From WBEZ Chicago, I'm Greta Johnson, and this is the Nerdette Book Club. It's just like a regular book club, except no one knows if you haven't read the book. I am so excited about this month's pick. It is Xochitl Gonzalez's debut novel, Olga Dies Dreaming. It is about Olga, who is a wedding planner in Brooklyn. She is really successful. She's great at dealing with super entitled rich white people, but she's not really sure how she ended up doing what she's doing. This book kind of has everything. It's got sibling drama and rich people drama and political scandal and corrupt business schemes and an activist mom on the run who's still somehow super naggy. There's also, of course, a douchey white guy named Dick. Um, Before I get any further in the plot, this is your spoiler warning. If you haven't read the book yet and you don't want to know what happens, this is not the episode for you. You can go listen to our spoiler-free interview with Sochiel. It is in the feed. But if you haven't read the book and you don't care about spoilers, or if you have read the book, you are in the perfect place. We are so glad to have you. And I'm super excited to introduce you to our discussion group this week. Adriana Herrera is the author of nine romance novels. Her next book is A Caribbean Heiress in Paris, and it's out in May. Adriana, welcome. Hello. We also have Cynthia Dupree Sweeney. She's the author of two books, including most recently Good Company. Cynthia, welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. So I would like to start with general deliciousness of this book because Mm. I don't know, like, and I said this to Sochiel even, I think there's like a really interesting combination or balance between salaciousness and substance in this book that I was really impressed with how well Sochiel pulled this off. And I don't know, I was curious what y'all thought about like just what made this book quite as delicious as it is. Adriana, what do you think? First of all, I mean, I'm a romance author. So the romance for me was one of my favorite parts of the book. There's a really great um, romance um, between Olga and Mateo, who is kind of like a fascinating random um, (laughs) character. And I mean, I think I've, I've been digesting this book a lot. I actually read it twice because it wasn't romance. I wasn't like certain there would be a happy ending. So I was kind of like holding my breath for Olga as soon as like Dick came into the picture. But then, um, you know, (laughs) things worked out. And so I read it again so that I could kind of like just like savor um, the romance part of the book. And and I've thought about a lot of uh, like just as a Latina, right? And someone who is an immigrant and has my life experience is not Olga's because I was born and raised in the Dominican Republic and came here as an adult. But I've lived in New York for ha- from all my adult life. And I think what makes her book, it's like active protagonist. So it's like exciting fiction to read. Like it's not heavy, right? And also I think it's like it gives a context of us that I feel like we don't see enough in fiction, but with like emotional justice at the end, which I think sometimes like, the stories about us tend to be so heavy on the trauma and not 
off so much in the resilience and the joy of us. And I think it was like a perfect mix of it. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. So like, would you call this a romance novel? I would say there's a romance in this novel. I wouldn't call it romance, but I would definitely say it's like contemporary fiction with like a romance in it, which I appreciate because we like I as a as a woman who is Latina and reads a lot of books with Latin people in it. Mm. I rarely get to like savor the joyful parts of who we are as much as I got to in this book. Yeah, those are great points. I think it's interesting to think about this book in terms of colors and like like even the cover of the book. I just feel like it's such a bright palette, which I think kind of speaks to what you're talking about, too. Like there is a joy. There's a huge sense of humor in it. There is so much brightness in it, even when it does address some really intense, like awful inequalities as well. Cynthia, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, this book has everything I love in a novel, which it has a huge juicy plot and family conflict and complicated characters making, you know, questionable decisions and class and money (laughs) and Brooklyn and weddings. It's like, it's like the book is a party, but then there's this incredible substance underneath it. And I think that one thing that I loved so much about it, I love when an author builds a world that I am mostly unfamiliar with, but she's challenging us to meet her where she is there. Mm-hmm. You know, she, there is not, there is not a lot of over explaining about the culture or the cultural references or the language. And that's just exciting to me as a reader. It, it like gets all my, I don't know, like all my, my brain just fires right up. Like I'm in this world that um, I'm going to learn stuff and I'm going to enjoy stuff and it's going to feel familiar, but it's also going to feel incredibly specific. And it's really hard to pull that off. And I just think she did it beautifully. Yeah. I think especially considering this is a debut novel, it's just like, wait, how the hell did she do? I could totally see why you'd want to just read it twice in a row, Adriana. Cause it's like, how did she do that? Yeah. So let's take a listen to one of our voicemails. This is RJ. The vibrant writing and the character-driven format had me fully invested in Olga and her family. The author balanced topics like gentrification, politics, family dynamics, relationships, and what it means by society standards to be successful, and created a story with characters that felt like real, genuine people. Mm-hmm. I just thought those were really good points, too. And I don't know, the idea of what it means to be successful, I thought, was addressed really, really well and in a lot of really interesting ways in this book. And I don't know, I think especially about Olga, who we mentioned is a wedding planner. Her her brother, Prieto, is a congressman. And they're both, I mean, obviously, at least ostensibly super successful. But they also both make pretty significant compromises with their jobs when it comes to their values And they're still arguably both dissatisfied with the work that they do. And I don't know, I thought it was a really interesting contrast, especially to their mother, Blanca, who I mentioned is an activist. She took off when the kids were, you know, sort of in their early teens. And she seems to make no compromises, but is arguably like kind of a terrible person, which I don't know. I just thought that was such an interesting contrast. Did that strike you as well, Cynthia? Yeah, I mean, I think that the, you know, what hovers over this entire book is like the invisible, visible hand of Blanca. And it's, Mm -hmm. um, and it's, I think it's one of the most affecting parts of the book. And I think it is also 
you know, it's that whole concept of like, what is home? And mm. which is very complicated when your family has relocated. Yeah, that's a really good way of putting that. What do you think, Adriana? Like, wh- what do you think this book says about sort of like, I don't know, especially maybe white American metrics of success? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because the, the parts that the part I think about the book that I, I had to digest the most was the part about the Banuelos Negros, because um, having lived like I, I lived, was born and raised in the Dominican Republic and <laughs> I I was a socialist in college and studied development economics. So to me, like mm-hmm. colonialism and imperialism is what's done to our democracies is something that I think about all the time. And I think it's like a, a different reality for me as a person who has lived in the homeland and is from the homeland as opposed to kind of seeing it from the outside. So I, to me, that was the piece about what success and what it means to be faithful to like the values that we have been able to create in, in, in our culture um, and how that like juxtaposes with like what, what I found here when I came to the U S which was a very different metric of what, of what being successful means. Like for being successful where I was from is very different than what it means now as an adult here. And I think what's beautiful about this book and I think of more people of color, more Latinos being able to write our stories is that we don't like every one of our stories doesn't have to mean everything to all of us, but we can see like, mm-hmm. like the gaze of that experience and how it builds in like all of what we are. I don't know if that makes sense, but I think that to me was what I really loved about this book is that it's not my experience and I'm not even reading it from the same point of view, but I could see like in a lot of myself and Olga because of what I found here when I came like as a 23 year old graduate student. So to me that, mm-hmm. that to me is like re- really like the beauty and like the texture of that book is that it, it can hold us all without it being like all of our experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's gorgeous. Well, and I think even like within Olga itself, like I thought it was really interesting to see how, you know, so many of the characters in this book had um, connections to Puerto Rico, but like their relationships with that place were all very different, you know, and the fact that like Olga herself had only been there that one time and it was like with a boyfriend. And, you know, I, I just I thought even that even within this book, I, it felt to me like there was a lot of nuance that was captured with with, you know with instances like that. Yeah, absolutely. It was very nuanced. And I really appreciated how much how much work she did to to really like show that this is a singular experience and there's like context there that we rarely get in fiction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love the mm-hmm. word texture for that. I think that's beautiful. Let's listen to another voicemail. Here is Stephen. The approach, language and nuances of this book were absolutely spectacular. I felt seen, heard, spoken to, and soothed simultaneously. The intricacies, especially of Mabel's wedding prep and wedding, had me reminiscing about all the capias and souvenirs my family collected over the years and archived for a plethora of reasons from respect to superstition. In addition, the scene in the car going uphill in PR to the campo took me there. Olga Dai's dreaming is so lush in the finer things described that you can't help but be transported. I was gobsmacked by this debut novel, and I'm truly looking forward to Gonzalez's future works, and hopefully a sequel or prequel revisiting these characters I have become truly invested in. 
Except for Dick, for obvious reasons. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. I feel like with a book like this, I'm always conflicted about if we need a prequel or a sequel. Because with Sochil, it's like, whatever she writes, I will be thrilled. You know, like, sure, I wouldn't be mad to have more Olga, but... I don't know. Partly I am so excited to see whatever she comes up with next, you know? And that wedding, that wedding is magnificent. I, I think I, I listened to the audiobooks. I think mm-hmm. I listened to the wedding part like three times. <laughs> yeah, it's a great, it's such a great scene. Oh, that's it's amazing. us. It really is us. It's so sweet. I love to hear that. You know, this book has such a propulsive energy to it and it feels like a book that Sochiel has probably been writing in her head for a very long time and it just Mm -hmm. poured out of her it has so like it has that energy and it's so alive and it and I think that it's one of the things that makes reading it such a joy so this is something I did not pick up on this like all credit goes to our producer Anna but um the the title of the book Olga Dies Dreaming comes from a poem called Puerto Rican Obituary and there's actually a scene in the book where Olga recites it to Mateo um the poem is by Pedro Pietri and we actually found audio of Pedro reading it so here's some of that it's a pretty long poem but here's a little bit Here lies Juan here lies Miguel here lies Milagros here lies Olga Here lies Manuel, who died yesterday, today, and will die again tomorrow. Always broke, always owing, never knowing they are beautiful people, never knowing the geography of their complexion. Puerto Rico is a beautiful place. Puerto Ricanos are a beautiful race. That poem, I also looked up that poem. It's so beautiful. It's gorgeous. And there's that scene where she recites it by memory to Mateo. And I, I, it made me wish that that scene was a little longer. And I know that the, hmm. like, it, that's complicated. You can't reprint probably more than a certain amount of poetry within a book for rights mm-hmm. reasons, blah, 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 blah. But when I pictured her standing in Mateo's, you know, record room reciting that poem, I just got chills and it's um, and she also just uses it so beautifully throughout the book. Yeah, it's phenomenal. I love it. More on Olga Dies Dreaming in just a minute. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org/events. So therapy comes up in this book in Mm. some interesting ways. It was funny talking to Sochiel because she mentioned that in a lot of ways she sees Olga as sort of like an untherapized version of herself, which honestly (laughs) sounds like a very fun character to write. Um, Adriana, I saw that in addition to being a writer, you are also a trauma therapist in New York, right? I am. 
Were there moments reading or I guess listening to this where you just wanted to shake Olga? <laughs> yes. I was like, I'm in Brooklyn. Just come to me. Um, uh, it, you know, it was. And at the same time, I appreciated um, her letting her have that like journey to like yeah. a place where she was beginning to find an anchor. Cause I, I mean, I, I, I'm, I am a trauma therapist and I work predominantly with um, communities of color. Most of my clients are Puerto Rican, Dominican, and um, I specifically work with uh, survivors of domestic and sexual violence. So um, to me, um, I mean, Olga could have been one of my clients, but also I appreciated so much that she, she let us see her finding her, like, he, like being able to tell her story and then begin to like reconnect with her community. She was so in the beginning, she was so disconnected from her, her culture. She felt like I could, like, I could sense that almost like it was like, she felt like she had betrayed something mm-hmm. by the choices she'd made with her career. Mm-hmm. And she had to kind of like find forgiveness. And, and I just really thought it was a beautiful, um, art for her and yeah and I mean I, th- I thought a lot about um, trauma and how and how we heal in our communities and 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 the tools that we have like that there's a moment where she was thinking about when she had been assaulted in college and her grandmother had taken her to a curandera to kind of like do like a, a, una limpia and, mm-hmm. and and thinking about how we've always had those 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 resources those things that we we look for to heal so I thought that was really beautiful and appreciated what she did with Olga yeah I think you're right that to really see the trajectory was was really fascinating I think especially about that scene towards the end when the they all get together and compare the letters that they had gotten from their mother and and to really let go of so much of that by sharing the shame that they all felt because their mother had so effectively shamed them for so long, even from afar. I just felt like, yeah, there was a, I don't know, it was just really gorgeously wrought, I thought, you know. Yeah. And, and let her have, and, and I think she let her be enraged too, which I think. Yes. Yeah. Was really cathartic, I mean, for me as a reader to just like let her have her rage. Yeah, I mean, I definitely felt a lot of rage towards yes. her mother. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I want to I want to talk more about Olga's mom. I had a lot of feelings about her, and uh, so did Wondernet listener we heard from. Here's Liz. Talk about starting Nerdette Book Club year off with a bang. Um, I adored this book. I really appreciated all the different topics that were in there. That it wasn't like a a one kind of book. I remember reading a review that talks about um, how this is like an intersectional feminist book, which completely, I completely see because it's about the politics and the drama and her American identity and Puerto Rican identity and the loss of mothering. Um, also that haunting of her mothering. I mean, those letters from her mom, they continue to haunt me. Like, could you imagine just getting those letters every so often and they just appear and this person knows about your life and it's your mom um, who isn't involved? Oh, I just, I talk about mom issues. Like 
already have them, that would that would lead to a whole other level. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. This was one I actually um this was like the spoilery ish question that I asked Sochil about when we had her on the show because I was just like, I'm supposed to hate her mom, right? So let's listen to what Sochil had to say about that and then we can reconvene. Is it okay that I kind of hated Olga's mom? Oh my God. It's so okay. I'm fat. It's so fascinating. It's like a Rorschach test though. Like it's so interesting like because some people are like, or not. Oh, it's like people are like, she's my favorite character. Oh, Which, no. I think it's so interesting how people feel about her, you know, like it's so interesting. And well, when like, we were, I get the whole, like, you know, yes, the, the impact you can have is greater in this other world. And like, I want to yeah. do what I can to help fight for my people. Like I, you know, completely respect that, but it was just like, but you're a terrible person. <laughs> yeah. You know what I think? I wonder, I think some of the damage is you, you, could you either be in or could you be out? You know what I mean? Like it's the wanting to kind of have your cake and eat it too, that I think makes her the worst you in mean, some the fact ways. That she's still sending these letters. And like, yeah. That she still them. feels that yeah. they owe her something by and who they grow up to be. And yeah. like, and I think that this idea that like, if you're going to leave, just leave, like, ha- like leave with, like, you know, like have the courage to be forgotten. Oh, I just thought it was so good. The other point she made, which I hadn't really thought about as I as I read because I think I was too angry, is that when Sochil talks to women, especially of older generations, they do end up being a little more defensive of Blanca, partly because, you know, women had so like fewer choices then. So, of course, she would end up being a mother, even though it wasn't what she wanted, which I thought or wasn't what she was well suited for, which I also thought was just a really fascinating yeah. insight um so yeah how did how did Blanca read to you Cynthia did you just hate her <laughs> you know I didn't hate her I I didn't I I didn't like her um fair but I I thought that I I think I felt for her I think I felt for her as someone who yes ended up having children because that's what she did because she was in love and you know, what I hated was the way that she kept her tentacles in children whose Mm -hmm. care and upbringing she had left with someone else. And, you know, exactly what Sochil said, you can't have it both ways. If you are, if you're going to, um, you know, put your ideals and your principles and your hope for revolution above your job as a parent, that's your choice. But you're either, I, I totally agree, you either have to be in and out. And there was a real cruelty about those letters and about her control. And, um, but it made it a really, um, it made a really terrific book. I, I was excited every time I turned the page and saw it was a letter because um, (laughs) they were, you know, they were, they really felt like they were coming from that character. So Adriana, what did you think about her mother? I mean, I know it's complicated, but like, did you hate her? I need someone on my hate team over here. <laughs> yeah, I did not love her. Um, I, you know, and it's interesting because of course, again, coming from a place of 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 knowing this woman and, and having women in my own life who have many similar characteristics of like, like I feel like I understand her. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still feel like she should have gotten it together by now. And I, and I also mm-hmm. feel like one of the things that really, um, got me about her was that for all of like her clarity about, um, you know, what, 
honor and like respecting, you know, um, the autonomy of, of the homeland. Like I felt that it was really interesting that she thought she would be the person to lead La Revolución de los Pañuelos Negros. Like, mm -hmm. I was like, why isn't it a guerrillera who has been in Puerto Rico fighting the fight? Like, what is it that made her feel that she could come into Puerto Rico and be the one to lead the revolution? So that mm -hmm. was to me interesting because that to me was like really awful, almost like a cognitive dissonance because she, sure. she had such clarity about her place and the place of imperialism and yet she felt like she was entitled to that, which I thought was like <laughs> evidence of just how much I didn't like Blanca. <laughs> yeah, her, I mean, her entitlement and her ego were off the charts. Yeah, yeah, they really were. They really were. Well, and I just think about that scene where she finally sees adult Prieto mm -hmm. and and he realizes how much she looks like his daughter mm. and he tries to show her a picture and I forget what exactly what she's like we don't have time for that or something and it's just like oh okay oh, yeah that was really painful oh it was Prieto. Poor Prieto. so we haven't dug into Prieto very much at all yet uh Adriano what's your take I had so many feelings about Prieto. I, he was a character I could really connect to just in terms because of his age like he's about like my like maybe a little bit older than I am and like thinking about what it was like to be like queer and in the 90s and like hiding even though everybody kind of knew like like I could connect to him in in a really deep way and again I feel like she could have pulled that punch but she didn't in terms mm -hmm. of him ended on positive and mm -hmm. I was kind of like mad at her for like a minute about it. I'm like, no, why is he positive too? <laughs> and then I thought, no, this is what makes sense because this, this, this makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. His character, because so much about him being closeted, it was especially Olga being like, dude, it's fine. Like nobody yeah. cares. Like just be gay. Right. If you want to be gay, be gay. I thought so chill did such a beautiful job of really, showing that like no that decision is a lot more complicated especially for a person who's been navigating as many pressures as he has throughout his life yeah yeah Cynthia what did you think about Prieto I think that what struck me about um Prieto was his relationship with Olga and their dependence on each other mm -hmm. um you know when you don't have a parent who uh who's available who is validating you, who is making you feel worthy of the things that you desire. It's very difficult to feel worthy of the things that you desire. And I think they, they, you know, I, I really enjoyed the push pull with the two of them. They wanted to hold each other up, but they were also disappointed with each other in various ways. And they yeah. were able to be honest with each other. It just felt like a real sibling relationship, which <laughs> is, is so, it, you know, I'm obsessed with sibling relationships. So uh, that's sort of the part, the part of them that I, that touched me the most was how responsible they were for each other and, um, and how much they had to fill a need in each other and they did it without resentment and with a lot of love. And that is probably ultimately what enabled them, you know, to make the decisions they made at the end of the book and to feel whole. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. There was a lot of sweetness there, but it wasn't, it never felt saccharine. No, and it was all like it, 
It was earned. That's yeah. the word I was trying to yeah. think of. Okay, before we go, we have a thing where we like to rate the book with like a completely arbitrary rating system. This time it seemed like it would be kind of fun to do linen napkins. <laughs> <laughs> so between one and a hundred linen napkins, Cynthia, what do you think? One in a hundred. Oh my God. <laughs> well, you got to have enough for your cousin's wedding, you know? <laughs> yes, that's true. That's true. Um, let me see. Oh, I like, I don't even know what would be a hundred, like what I would give a hundred napkins to what book. I feel like I'm, si I was simultaneously would be the hardest grader ever, but then I also feel like anyone who writes a book deserves a hundred napkins. Right. Yeah. So a hundred napkins, a hundred napkins. Yeah. I think that's a good one. I don't know. I listened to it also. And I just thought like, I love a plotty book. I thought this was beautifully paced. I thought all the characters were super richly portrayed. Like I just thought it was such a good time and I learned stuff, which is kind of everything I could ask for. So mm -hmm. I agree on a hundred. What do you think, Adriana? Yeah, I, I'd give it a hundred. Hey, it's debut, which is like, yeah, mind-blowing like yeah yeah <laughs> she was able to like really deliver and and I, one thing that I actually appreciated if I was going to give it a 98 I'd give it 100 just because I really appreciated everything she said about Hurricane Maria that mm -hmm. had to be said and mm -hmm. she said yeah. it and I and I so appreciated that so yeah 100 yeah. napkins <laughs> yeah I mean that it's really I, I think it's such an achievement to write such a beautiful, lively, really interesting book that is also a corrective. Yeah. And, and so often those, you know, that, that kind of book can sort of slide into feeling pedantic or something, but she just always, she always kept it going. It's really impressive. Yeah. I think it never really did feel pedantic. No. Even when there was explication, it was mm -hmm. just phenomenal. Mm -hmm. So I was curious if either of you might have a recommendation for something for, you know, if somebody read this and was like, oh, my God, I loved it. Uh, what you might recommend that has a similar vibe and that could be because of a character or a theme or a location or anything. I do. I actually have one that is... Um... Um, the Wangs versus the World by Jay oh, Chang yes. is, I think, has um, a similar in scope and ambition and joy and, um, and, and the way that it invites you into a world uh, you're not familiar with. And um, yeah, it's, it's a really great book. And I think uh, for anyone who loved Olga, that would be a great follow up. Yeah, that's so much fun. I loved that one yeah. too. Um, Adriana, what do you think? I think I'm going to recommend, and this one is um, called The Inheritance of Orquidea Divina by mm -hmm. Soraya Cordova. And it's not, it's a little bit of magic realism, but it also oh, cool. like has like that rich, expansive family story. And it's bit, very much grounded on like a mother that um, like brings everyone to the table in different ways. So that's that's my recommendation. Oof, those are such great recommendations. Cynthia, Adriana, thank you both so much for talking about Olga with me. This was so much fun. Thanks for having me. It was great. Thank you for having me. That's it for January's book club. Our February book club pick is Shit Cassandra Saw. Great title, great book. 
An interview with Gwen Kirby, the author of that book, will come out next Tuesday. So keep an ear out for that. As always, we would love for you to read along with us and send us all of your thoughts. You can do that by recording yourself on your phone and then emailing the voice file to nerdatpodcast at gmail.com. Nerdette is produced by me and Anna Bauman. Our executive producer is Brendan Banazak. We will see you on Friday. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.